John David doesn't remember anything about his biological parents. He came to live with Kay and Gilbert Hine as a baby. His origin story within the Hine family, as documented only through family gossip and rumor, went something like this. The Hines had already adopted one son, Gilbert's namesake, when John David came into their lives, but that wasn't his name at the time, and he wasn't handed over freely. All or part of the story could be true because unfortunately, we only know what Gilbert's brother and sister-in-law, Ward and Volney Hine, passed along to Kay's kids years after she went missing. They said that John David's biological parents were sharecroppers, maybe from Texas. They had other children who all accompanied them in the groves as they picked the fruit that they would be paid a meeker wage for. John, as an infant, was too young to be out in the grove while they worked. Now, it's hard to even say what month or even year this occurred because, first, John isn't even sure that the date on his birth certificate, 1961, is his real birthday. I was told that he was around six months old when he was given to Kay to watch. Narrowing it down by month isn't possible because oranges are harvested during many months of the year in Florida, although October to June seems to be when they are most plentiful. While a landowner in 1972 might be fine and dandy with kids old enough to help pick, and kids often were sent out there to pick oranges, a baby would probably get in the way and even distract its mother from the task at hand. Remember, these people working the groves were, to the landowner, just another set of hands pulling profit for him straight out of the trees. Having to stop to feed or change a baby a few times a day would keep that mother from doing her job. So somehow, and it's unknown how, this family got Kay's name and she agreed to watch the child for them. What story she was told and what was exactly agreed upon is unclear. I will note that the Hines also owned local citrus groves, so it's possible that this was one of their groves being worked, but there was also groves down on the Rutland Ranch, so it's not even clear in which of the local groves this family was working. Whatever the case, as the story goes, when the family came to retrieve their child, Gilbert Hine ordered them off his property and told them they weren't getting the baby back, and if he gave them any trouble, he would see to it that they lost their other children. I suppose this might hold some weight coming from someone who would go on to supervise the juvenile court division in Manatee County, but that would mean that John David's biological parents knew that, knew where he worked and that fact might suggest that they weren't sharecroppers from Texas at all, but perhaps even locals who knew what Gilbert Hine was capable of. How old were you when you came to live with Kay and Gilbert Hine? I was a baby. They, uh, they supposedly, well, they adopted uh, Charlie, my brother. Uh-huh. He named him after himself, and uh, I was uh, picked by Kay Hine, my mother, so it was kind of like I was her kid and he was his kid but the only difference is is that um he had adoption papers and i never did nobody i didn't have a birth certificate until 1982 uh when they made up one uh his new wife is on the birth certificate saying that she's my mother oh wow that's the only time i've ever had a birth certificate until late 1982 because i was never you know i wasn't a foster kid we had foster kids there eventually and but i was supposedly her son and he was uh his son and he was very abusive to me and my mother for forever you two you and your brother came before all the foster kids is that what you're saying you two as babies were there and then they started getting foster kids Yes. And you're not sure how he came to be with them? They just wanted to adopt a child, and so they got this child. It was a legal adoption as opposed to yours was not. Right. Mine, there was no adoption. Did you ever find your birth parents? No. I was told by the sisters, they were older, they told me years later that uh, my parents had come back out there to pick me up because uh, Gilbert Hine was... Um, he worked in the juvenile court uh, system, so I believe that they, uh, 
that the parents might have uh, been under suspicion of something at one point, and they took the baby, took me away from them. But then when they came back to to get me, said that they were, they came out to actually out to the house out there, and sisters say that he walked off into. We had orange groves back then, and walked off into the orange groves with the two of them, and that's the last uh, she heard of them. So she doesn't know if they left, if they ended up in the same fate as her. I don't know if they figured it out or how what had happened with the, but he was in with the juvenile court system. Right now, I, all I can think of is that maybe they, you know, he talked them into letting me stay with him until that was worked out. And then when it was worked out, you know, he refused to give me up. Right. What the story that she had told me that I think she said again when one of his brother's wives or something told her was that there was uh, a group of people that would come and work in the orange groves um, from Texas every year, and uh, they were not able to. They had other children with them uh, that you would been your siblings, and the owner of the grove would not. Um, allow a baby on the property while I guess they were picking oranges, which is understandable. And so someone gave them Kay's name, and she ended up watching you for some length of time. I don't know if it was overnight, or it was just the days or whatever. But at some point, they came back to get you, and she would not. They would not give you up. He basically told them, "Get out of here! Or I'm going to get your other kids taken away." Is that any of that uh, accurate, or to your knowledge, true? I would have no idea. The only thing I know is that they said that the parents came to. You know what you just said was. You know. If more to it than what I had heard that there was about the orange groves and that but uh, those were our orange groves uh, uh, Gilbert Hine and Clyde Hine and Ward Hine the brothers mm-hmm. yeah, they owned the orange groves that uh, that the people would come and pick but in my time when they were anyone would go out and pick they were all Hispanic so they stole you they stole you from your parents is what they did exactly. yeah exactly because there's no birth certificate there was no um, adoption papers. Yeah, they just basically. And they, every, when I would go to school, and the teacher, when the, they would ask for, you know, a birth certificate or identification, and that he, he had a little card that he had from the Sarasota hospital, where you can clearly see where someone had taken an uh, eraser and scratched out uh, a name, and he put my name on there with a birthday. So I don't even know. <laughs> my birthday's probably not even right. Did you ever even find out what your birth name was? No. No, they refused to tell me anything, or he would refuse to tell me anything. My mother, was. she was pretty much a, you know, a, yeah, she was pretty much like me, just a, basically a like a slave there. The, uh. You know, <laughs> we worked, and, you know, he's very abusive, alcoholic. He was very good um, to, to Charlie, Charlie, you know, my brother. Mm-hmm. You know, he never treated him bad, and even on the day of the disappearance, because my mom and I had planned that she had the car loaded up, the trunk, and that we were loaded up to leave. Leave was on a Saturday, and yeah, that obviously didn't happen. So he must have found out, and that was it. What was your impression of them as a couple, your mom and Gilbert? What? How did they get along at all? Or no, what? they didn't get along at all because yeah, she had a whole separate bedroom, and she was always bruised up and. Yeah, you know, he was just, you know, very violent man. Physically. Violent man and her. Wow. She would try to protect me, and of course she would get, it'd be worse, you know, it'd be more for her, and it'd be more violent to her. Uh, what about the uh, the foster children? How were they treated? Well, they were treated just uh, basically like uh, slave labor. They were there, uh. and they were just used to work on the, on the ranch, you know, farm, we had a lot of animals in that, and so, you know, they just basically, you know, worked. He had them as workers. That's what he'd always say. He says, I didn't want kids, I wanted workers. <laughs> Was the foster situation his idea or Kay's? Oh, I'm sure it was probably his idea. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she had no say-so in anything. You know, her and I just, you know, <sighs> We'd stay away from him as much as we could and take care of the animals and such. And he'd go to work and come home and get drunk and get mean. And... Jeez. Unbelievable. I... Yeah. And the scary thing is that he's working for the juvenile court system. 
And I did, I did a lot of reading on that system, and it's clear to me that they were sort of in with the local judge, this Judge Ricky, who wanted to sort of control countywide the, the foster system, but the state was moving in to take over, and I think that's when the end came for, for them being foster, because even in, in articles, your mom was saying that the state was coming in and wanting to impose rules and things, and, and you know, they wanted, they, she was trying to get private funding for it. He must have just had her out there like a mouth piece trying to do PR in the public to keep because I thought maybe it was there was a financial reason why he was wanting to do it you know they're getting certain not a lot but a certain amount of money for each kid and at one point she was registered for eight and she was in the newspaper saying they wanted to get 20 and I'm thinking 20 kids just for this one woman taking care of them that's crazy so your perspective is totally different I guess I for some reason I thought maybe she because she she did didn't really have full custody of her other children when she left her previous husband maybe she felt guilty about that and maybe that's why she wanted more children so I just couldn't understand the dynamic so it seems like it was him that you're thinking wanted the whole foster care situation and he wanted them for labor on his ranch right oh yeah he got paid yeah, they paid him for labor, basically. Right. Okay, so tell me what you remember from the day that she went missing. Were you home that day? It was a Saturday, did you say? Yeah, it was a Saturday. Uh, we were going to leave that day because that day she was going to go to the fair. You know, she had the judging at the fair. And we were going to leave and told him that we were going to the fair. She said that we were, you know, that was the deal. But, you know, I woke up that morning and so... That never happened. She was no longer there, and you know, no fair. All that was not happening. So she, you and you woke up. She was already gone. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I, you know, it was a long time ago. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, I can't remember. Exactly. No, that's okay. I you understand. Know. Yeah. I just remember that we were going to leave, and you know, I, I don't know when exactly. She disappeared, but shortly after that, I mean, I think he told told me and my Charlie to, he took shotguns out and shotgun out and put it by the front door. He says if anybody, even the police, show up to, you know, show up on the property to shoot them, you know, oh. well, we were just kids and it was ridiculous. I mean, what are you talking about? Right. Why would, why would you want us to shoot, <laughs> you know? How old were you at this time when she went missing? Eleven. Eleven. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember the last time you saw her? That night. The night before. Yeah. Were you supposed to go to the fair with her? Well, that was, yeah, well, that's what she said we were going to do. Well, tell him that we were going to do. Yeah, we were going to go to the fair. She was, she had, she was a due to judge. I think it's a poultry because we had a lot of chickens and that, and she was really newer, you know, poultry, mm-hmm. newer animals. So we were going to take off from that point. I don't know if we were actually going to go to the fair, or we were just going to take off. And she was going to take both of you, you and Charlie? No. Just no, you? Charlie is, yeah, Charlie was, has always been... Daddy's boy. Yeah, he's always been his son. And, I mean, he, you know, he would, he would do anything for him because he always did anything for him as long as he never got beat he never got mistreated you know he treated him like like gold <laughs> so even to this day he keeps yeah you, know, you know he would uh, talk to him talk about him as though he were such a wonderful person because he was to him it just wasn't for us oh so his impression of gilbert is totally different than what yours everybody else basically is with everybody yeah parents everything he says that she was seeing somebody and ran off with them to things like that he says this says he and he knows good and well that she'd never been seeing anybody she was always there when we came home from school you know she was always there right she was never right. alone she was always there he was he would he would go off and do things but yeah she wasn't allowed to wow but he he was always right there defending him and saying that he's he's right when anybody can see if you look at the story even if yeah even if you want to believe him i mean it's impossible you know it, yeah you know, she didn't just leave doesn't make sense at, at all so tell me 
Do you remember in the newspaper, um, Betty Jane or Deborah, I guess, mentioned that she got a call that day? Did she tell you about that call from her mom? No, I heard about that later, I think, from them. Okay. That she, that she called them and she was in distress. All right. And do you, you, so you don't remember her showing up that day to the, to the ranch to look for her mother? I was told to stay in the room and not even look out the window and that. He never said what it was. You know, it was almost like Santa Claus was coming, you know, and, you know, you're not supposed to go. So, yeah, I missed out on everything because I was told not to. So I had no idea. Well, you know, I didn't know any of this. And were there any were there any foster kids at that point on the property, or were they gone, done doing that by then? I think we were. I think it was done at that point. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the kids, the other ones being there at that time. And do you remember seeing or hearing any signs of violence in the home that day? No, I don't remember. But I, I saw signs of violence. What did Things you? Were knocked over. Chairs were knocked over. And. You know, all of her things were there. Not, you know, not the things that were in the trunk, you know, her clothes or her clothes and stuff that were, but her glasses. Uh, the only thing that was missing that was normally there was her pistol. She kept a, uh, like a, uh, it's either, I think nickel plated or it was, it was chrome. It's very shiny, 38. She kept in a holster in the, in the windowsill in her bedroom. And it was laying, her holster was laying in the middle of the living room floor for some odd reason. The gun was gone, the the holster was there, and some chairs were knocked over. So I still have never found, never found that pistol. Oh, so you never saw the pistol after that day? Right. She always kept it in that window. So I'm wondering if she tried to... Right. Defend herself that morning and got used against her or something. Well, it sounds like there was some sort of scuffle that occurred. Um, yeah, but you scuffle. I didn't know if it was that night or that morning before I woke up. It was a Saturday, so I didn't have to get up early. It's my only time I didn't have to get up early on a Saturday. So this thing must have happened before. Yeah. If there was a gunshot, do you think you would have woken up or maybe not? Uh, I would think I would. You know, I would assume I would. But, you know, it's, a, it's all the way at the other end of the house is where they sleep and where they're at. Oh, okay. So, so My bedroom was at the very other end of the house. Yeah. One, two, three, four, four bedrooms on the other end of the house. And I was, like, near the end, end of that end of the house. And, you know, they had their end of the house. And they kept it kind of closed off because they had an air-conditioned unit on their end of the house where they could stay cool and uh, you know on my end we i didn't have any uh, any air conditioner or anything. i just had a fan in a window uh, on my and it's right there over my bed so it's kind of loud so i don't know i'm probably couldn't have heard it probably yeah it did happen did you ever see anything odd out at the property any signs where he could have done anything to her burn bury anything like that well we have too much property out there i mean there's a lot of property we had a property that separated a lot of property that separated from the property that we were at we were on a 15 acre of property and right across the street was a lot of acreage of his brother um Clydeheim and him own and a swamp back there they have a swamp area and down at the river which is now rye wilderness that was uh, donated to the county and the sheriff youth ranches is back there. And I guess that was a portion of that with the old graveyard. And, you know, that's uh, was donated to to the sheriff's youth ranch from him. And there's an old graveyard there. I mean, she could be in that graveyard. She could be, you know, there's too many places that's the problem. I mean, if you wanted to look, uh, where would you look? He has m- multiple properties. Mm. And were they all the properties touching? Were they all, like, attached? Um, no. no. So they were all around. Wow. Yeah, one is 15 acres, and you had across the street. It's a lot more than that. And then a couple miles down the road were the river, where the old graveyard and the old homestead and that. 
that property, a lot of property there, and uh, Old Cemetery Road, which is now I think 136 Terrace East. I think it's in uh, off 675. There are five rental homes there, uh, right beside uh, a cemetery. So there's another cemetery there. So we had two cemeteries. We had two old houses, two homes that were beside ours out there that both had septic tanks. And uh, I talked to a, a deputy sheriff at one point, and he thought that there was a good possibility that if she were put in one of those septic tanks, you know, the, the chemicals in the septic tank would, you know, would pretty much make everything disappear. Huh. I didn't know that septic tanks had chemicals in them, but they never searched it. Or the two. I don't. I don't know if they ever did, because they didn't do it well back then that I know of. If they did it after that time, I don't know. I wasn't living out there. So I googled this question right after I re-listened to this audio as I prepared this podcast to air. Listeners, will you allow me a digression for a moment? Have you noted the ease with which we have integrated the word Google into our language? It is now a noun and a verb. Google is a place you go for information and it's a word used to suggest the corresponding action in question. It's amazing to me that we live in an age where many of us carry around a supercomputer that's basically the size of a 3x5 card, and we have access to so much information in the literal palm of our hands. Anyway, I quite literally googled, do you put chemicals in septic tanks, and this is what I learned. Septic systems do not need any additives to function properly and treat wastewater. A public health and social services page read, quote, Do not put strong chemicals such as cleaning products down the drain. Household chemicals such as drain cleaners, paint thinners, and floor cleaners can destroy important bacteria in your septic tank and contaminate ground and surface water. Now, I have lived in at least three homes that had septic tanks in my life, and in none of them did we add chemicals. In fact, Other than having them pumped out every five years or so, we didn't give our septic system any thought at all, until the toilet stopped flushing properly, which is generally when you know it's time to call out that humble servant of the Lord that gets paid hourly to literally suck that shit out. So, maybe what the law enforcement officer meant when he spoke with John David is that the presumption would have been that a body left in the conditions of a septic tank for a couple decades might not be conducive to a probative search. I'm not sure I agree about that. Another quick Google search brought up a case in Worcestershire, England, where police found the remains of a woman who had been missing since 1982 in her septic tank. They promptly arrested her 86-year-old husband, a farmer, who had told everyone at the time that he had no idea what happened to his wife. Does that sound familiar? Bless the justice system in that case for not being ableist, because he was 89 years young, as he was tried in front of a jury of his peers, who then learned he had also tried to blame a serial killer for his missing wife. Turns out, police and everyone else had all walked around where she was buried, but never bothered to check the septic tank. Again, does that sound familiar? I found multiple cases where bodies had been located in septic tanks for a decade or so, and later found. So, uh... It said, I think, five days afterward, she was reported missing and not even by him. And then, of course, he tells the police that, that oh, she just ran off and she, she was always out. She went out every all the time and she was staying out all night, which was clearly a lie. And, and the likelihood of her taking off or even with other guys didn't make any sense because she had a condition where, you know, she she didn't couldn't grow hair mm-hmm. on her head. Right. And she had, she had this apparatus over her bed. Uh, that she had to get into uh, periodically because it was like a witch type of thing because she had a a degenerative back problem that she had to, you know, she had to get in there and had to kind of stretch her back and that so that she could get out of pain. I mean, her glasses and medicine were still left, so she didn't right. just leave. That's not, that's just stupid, you know. No, that, every, nothing, nothing, and she wasn't running around with anybody. Yeah, she, no. No. <clears throat> what was, do you remember what his demeanor was after she went missing? Was it any different than normal? Oh, well, yeah, he was very agitated. He was very uh, angry, 
that's what I say. He said he took shot he took a shotgun out of the shot out of the gun case and loaded it and sat it by the front door and he says if anybody comes, even if the police come, he says, you know, shoot them on sight. Don't even talk to them. That's you know that's when you knew something was something was wrong. So after this happened, did you still so you still lived with him? Yeah, I still had to live with him, but I moved pretty much. I uh, stayed away from him, so I would come in from school before he'd get off of work, and so I would pretty much just you know get off the property. Uh, run down to the river. I'd swim in the river. I'd spend as much time as I could away, away from him. Pretty much had to raise myself from then on until I could get old enough to get out of there. And was that right after high school? Yeah, as soon as I could. In high school, yeah, I joined the military and got out. Jeez. But of course, getting into the military was another thing because I didn't have a birth certificate. <gasps> yeah, how did that happen? I had to convince them that, well, obviously I have one, you know, because I got my graduate high school diploma and that, so I must have had it, and I told him, uh, you know, that I'll just send it to him later, you know, once I'm in, and the recruiter is, you know, he wants to recruit, so, you know, I got in, and once I got in, it was pretty much gotten about. Did your mom ever, well, she wouldn't have mentioned that to you, I, there was some talk about possibly Gilbert sexually abusing um, children, and I wondered if you ever heard any whispers of that. I know... I know he was very, he was very strange because I wasn't, um, the foster kids and I weren't allowed to have doors on our rooms. Um, Charlie had a door on his room, of course, but, you know, we weren't, didn't have doors. So many times in the middle of the night, I would, you know, I'd like wake up and, uh, you know, it's dark, but I would look over and he'd be standing in the doorway, just, <sighs> just standing there and... Yeah, I don't know, if, making sure that I'm asleep or what, but, you know, we did have one girl that was a foster foster, foster girl back there, so, uh, you know, he, he never abused me that way, but he, you know, he's just very violent and angry. Mm-hmm. So there was only one girl that you recall of any, not that wasn't a baby, that was ever a foster child? Yes. The rest were boys? I remember her name was Barbara, but I can't remember her last name. Because we're just kids, we call each other by our name, you know? Mm-hmm. And this wasn't, it, it said that it was the first non-segregated um, uh, foster home. So you had black and white children? No. No, we never had any any black kids there. You're kidding uh, me. Had, I think we had a couple of Hispanic, if they're going to call that, you know, segregated or not segregated. See, they were, I remember yeah. black. My wow. There, yeah, he was very racist. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine that at all. But, you know, if they're being used as a slave, I guess it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, the thing is, they were they were lying in these newspaper articles. I mean, from the from how the story that she told, and I'm sure he was making her tell these stories, because, first of all, they have an illegal child, you, on the property with no papers or no nothing. So, of course, they don't want the state to take over, you know, oversight because the county, they can get away with everything because they had that Judge Ricky guy that he worked for who was pretty much funneling kids into that ranch um, and other places with and not requiring them to be licensed, number one. Um, and the state was sort of arguing with this judge about that at the time. And it wasn't till that judge lost his seat and someone else took the bench that they that the state sort of got, you know, got a handle on it. And I think that's when you had no more kids there. But um the story that she tells when she was asked by newspaper articles, how did you get into this? Well, you know, we got another child because um, my one child that was here, I wanted to have company. So I assume she was talking about the one child was Charlie and, um, you know, and then the one she got was you. But what she said was, um, I saw an ad, we saw an ad in the newspaper about a, a mother that needed someone to watch her child for free. Because um, they were having some trouble until they could get back on their feet, so we went to St. Petersburg and we and we got the child. And we brought the child back, and um, we kept that child for some length of time, um, and then the child left. But I actually think that's the story they were giving for you, because the dates line up. And the fact is that um, I was doing some research on the timeline, and it your, well, your alleged birth date is what in, in sixty one. May of 61? Okay. Yes, May of 61. 
the the J, the judge told the licensing board that Kay was fostering children before he hired Gilbert, and that's not true because he hired Gilbert in February of 1962, and there's no there was no um, there were there's no indication that there were any kids in that house before that, but you and um, Charlie. So they were lying in newspaper articles, probably to cover that you know this situation, and. She was telling lies about how they got you. That was your sort of origin story in the newspaper, as far as I can tell. So it's just shocking to me that there was no oversight, that, that, that they had a child that they basically stole from his family. And you never, what a tragedy, that you never got to know who your parents are. You know, maybe maybe someone will hear this when the podcast comes out and hear oh, wow, we had a child, you know, they'd be very old now, probably, if there were siblings and, you know, but maybe, I mean, it's a long shot, but just, I cannot imagine, I mean, I can't imagine the boldness. You work for the county. I guess he must have felt bold enough that whatever he did, because the judge was clearly lying for them, making up things that wasn't true to the regulatory board, you know? It's shocking. It's very shocking. they were yeah, I think, you know, when they took me, I think at that point, even she had to, you know, she had to go along with, you know, the cover up or, yep. you know, or she'd, she'd be in trouble or lose me. You know, her and I got along great. I mean, we were, you know, it was her and I against him, <laughs> him and Charlie really pretty much. And then the whole family, actually, though, the whole family treated her terrible. The brothers, the, you know. Their wives, they just treated her like an outsider and treated her terrible. Yeah, I definitely think she what they what she was doing as she was doing these newspaper articles was PR. He was probably because she was trying to raise money, like she would go to the friends of the library um, to speak on, um, you know, the importance of foster homes and things like that, and she was trying to see if they could get a way to um, to financially run the ranch without state funds and it just they were saying that right in the article and so i think that number one she was probably scared if anyone found out you were going to get taken away and she probably didn't want that um and number two he he was realizing with this whole tug and pull of the uh state versus the county situation for licensing because there was county licensing and then there was state licensing and and the state doesn't really play county was kind of sort of loosey-goosey but the state was not so i think he saw the writing on the wall coming so he had her out there while all this was going on publicly where there's having um, the, the you know the boards are arguing back and forth and what you know about cost and this and that and he had her out there trying to raise public funds so that they wouldn't have to be under the auspices of the state and that probably didn't work out they couldn't raise enough money to have that many kids I mean she's talking about having being registered for eight with the county and wanting twenty I mean that's just ludicrous you know um, yeah, there's no there's no way they could have been taken care of. Um, but it would have been good for him. He would have liked that. I mean, that's just more more workers. But, you know, but there's no way she would have, you know, because she would have had to feed him. You know, she would have had, you know, that, that would have been an incredible burden because we had a lot of animals. You know, we had cows and horses and goats and chickens and geese and guineas, even had monkeys. And we had a, a basically a zoo there. And we even had... Uh, School buses would come from, uh, come out with their with uh, kids, and you know, come out and see it like a zoo. I even came out one time to my own house <laughs> on, from, on from school, a field trip. Yeah, that it was like it was a field trip to like a zoo. You had to go out there, twenty kids. I mean that, you know, that would. Were you guys the ones that were taking care of all these animals? Yeah, my mom and I. Saturday was the only morning that that I could get up later because. And, yeah, every morning I'd go out before the sun come up, go out and uh, take care of all the animals and uh, before school. Wow. Yeah, and walk a couple of miles to the, to the bus stop and go to school and come back and do it all over again. And when they had foster children, the ones that were old enough were also doing the same thing? Yeah, they were out. They were working, too. And you guys... They either work doing scrubs for the brother or they would... Work there on the farm. 
Uh, they had some of these children working the orange groves? Yeah. My father's uh, brother had two sons, and two of those, they were, they were adopted, two. Um, my father's brother adopted those two, uh, Timmy and Tommy Rich. They actually had still had their names, but they'd never had the... So they were like a foster kids to the brother, which they probably got through him. And they were worked like slaves there, too. They were treated really, really bad. They weren't allowed to go anywhere or do anything either. Did that family have biological children as well? They had... Um, biological children that were older and moved out well I, I, this is uh, it does seem odd to me that both brothers would have adopted kids that they'd be work I mean it does literally sound like they were adopting kids to work as labor right that's horrific I can't I know. yeah that's the yeah you know and I was just shocked my whole life back there I just couldn't believe that nobody was ever going to come out nobody ever came out to check on them or ask any questions i was expect i would always expect for years that you know somebody would come out and you know ins inspect or something or ask questions like how are you doing you know or something but nobody ever ever came out that's why i said when you know i, I mean i am interested absolutely in your mom's case because that's part of this but um the the foster situation to for some reason has tugged me a lot harder your situation specifically and hearing all this because it's if it was going on there you can bet and you're saying his brothers had a couple kids too adopted i mean that just seems strange right off the bat two brothers that have adopted kids you know like how many well, families they clearly weren't adopted because they went to school and everything with their real names their last names were rich uh r-i-c-h and you know their names are Hines, so they were never adopted. They were, um, I don't know, well, I guess foster kids. But they stayed there until they were old enough to leave too. And the other thing that I noticed in the when you're in those articles where your mom was trying to get the you know funding for like twenty kids, what she was wanting to do, she was saying, is rather than they wanted to set up a situation, it almost sounds like a children's home. She sounded like she wanted a, a, an orphanage rather than a foster place. She wanted something where the kids were going to stay there for longer, extended period of time, which would absolutely fit in with Gilbert's desire to have you know ranch hands. <laughs> you know, workers rather than right. people that, kids that left. So it did say in the paper that she had little baby. Do you remember her having babies mostly? Or was it, you know, what ages do you remember the kids being, the the foster kids? Oh, they were, yeah, there were never babies involved. Yeah, they were all um, around my age, pretty much. They were always around my age when they were there. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing that's that that, that was misleading because she said that, that they had babies from infants to um, to like nine years old, I think, is what they said is that she had. So you don't ever remember any babies? No, she was probably saying that to cover her. They were probably saying that to cover herself on me. Yes. Probably. Yeah. You know, if anybody asked about a baby, like, you know, they would say, you know, maybe that's what they were talking about. That was the only, you know, the only one, I guess you would say. I think what was happening is she was going out saying the things that they needed the public to think probably for it to seem like a, a, a real thing. And I'm sure that was Gilbert making that happen because he as a juvenile court officer would know what, what they would need, what kind of qualifications, what they would need to appear as on the surface. And not only that, I didn't realize, but um, when I was looking at these articles, one of the things that the licensing board said is um, the state requirements are such that no, no one who works with children in their job are allow were allowed to be foster kids. So le legally, Gil Gilbert wasn't allowed to be a foster parent, and so his excuse was, the judge judges was talking for him. The judge was saying, number one, she was fostering before he got the job, which was a lie because you were there, and number two, um, uh, he he's not 
the fo- he's not a foster parent. She's running the place, which technically she probably was doing everything. Um, anyway, but that doesn't matter because it's both parents in the household would be, you know, the foster parents. So this whole thing is now the talking to you way more to me of a racket than it was anything else. And I just, you know, I it kind of chokes me up. I feel like I need to apologize to you for how you were treated as a kid. I mean, it's just awful. And, you know, I wish there was... um a chance that someone would hear this story and maybe, um, you know, recognize the situation in it, maybe recognize the Heinz name, recognize something, and that's, you know, the most I can hump, hope for. But um, I... Yeah, if, I, if I wrote a book, people wouldn't believe it. No. You know, that's how crazy this whole thing is. is it, you know, it, who, who could believe this mess, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that you've done, you've done incredible work that you've gotten this far i've brought this up to uh private detectives lawyers and they just got a blank look over their face you know and they just they can't they wouldn't do a thing they were just like couldn't believe it or it was just way over their head they just couldn't you know it's amazed that you've gotten this far i have this feeling that it may have been now that i've just uncovered this much more rampant in that area than we even know if someone's pushing for all these larger foster homes and wanting this and wanting that either there's a financial motive um you know or something else and this sounds like slave labor financial type motive because they would also have been getting money from the state or county i mean your mom did mention getting checks but i don't know how big those checks were versus there's one point they were saying ten dollars a per kid i don't know if it was week or month it wasn't a huge amount but for back then probably enough if you had 20 kids that that was a decent amount you know this sounds like they were needing people to work these orange groves and so uh, who how who's not seeing kids out there working in the orange groves who is who's letting this happen does the do the police well, know you know yeah, we always had the hispanic kids out there but but i'm not hispanic and you know and my blood type is a uh, o negative which is pretty rare and it pretty much comes from the basque area in northern spain so i don't know how my parents would be working in an orange grove in Florida <laughs> or even Texas or, yeah, I don't know. It's almost like they were, somebody was here on vacation or something and got, uh, were stolen because it doesn't make any sense. You're right. You know, I don't, I'm the only one in the family that had blonde hair and, you know, and, and green eyes. Yeah, everybody else, you know, I didn't look like anybody else or anybody in any of the families. Did you, so did you put your DNA on Ancestry? No, um, I just know I haven't actually done that yet, um, which I probably should. Yeah. Uh, but I just know, because, you know, he, he definitely doesn't, cause looking at his, his uh, past and that, it doesn't, doesn't fit. And the way he treated me, if I were actually his uh, real biological son, I would have been treated good. And the only reason Charlie was treated good is because he gave him his name. Because, you know, he was no different. He was just another baby. But that's another thing. I don't know where he came up with the money all these years because he always, he kept buying houses and, and you know, <laughs> a lot of houses and a lot of land. And you know, there's something fishy far enough back that just doesn't make any, because I know how far back they go to the, uh, to the rise. That right. Founded. You know, Erasmus and Mary, mm-hmm. the Williams, the Williams, the daughters, and, and all that. But you know, I don't know where he came up with. He just seemed to always have a lot of money. and it's, Well, you know, um, I was looking, as I was looking through old newspaper articles, when you have to put, like, he was executor of, of estates of a couple of the family members. So my guess would be that he had his hands in, you know, all the... The holdings of other family members, perhaps the older ones, mm-hmm. um, you know, and yeah, so they always ended up with their land somehow. <laughs> Every time they would die, he would get their land, and then it was. And he worked for the court system, so he would know how to get documents signed, notarized, put in as legal, um, maybe even forged <laughs> with judges' names. Yeah. Who knows? It's yeah, possible. He tricked them, tricked the, yeah, he tricked them out of some land that I know of for sure. Did you ever speak to police? Did they ever interview you? 
Yeah, I had a deputy uh, come out um, probably probably in the two probably 2002 or three came out and asked some questions. He's working the cold case, mm-hmm. but nothing ever. I mean, he he knew far less than you do. Oh God! So it was kind of kind of clear that he really didn't. You know, he was just hoping something would. Like, I was a witness or something. Yeah. You know, if I would have seen it happen, maybe he would have, you know, maybe there was something there that he could do. But, yeah, he, you know, that's why I say you've done amazing work. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Seems to, have, seems to have ever gotten anywhere with it. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. Cheryl said something about you being forced to dig a hole. Is that a true story? Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um yeah, we, because we didn't have a garbage pickup out there, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was, uh, my job was, one of my jobs was to dig out on the side of the property there, um, holes that were six foot by six foot and six foot deep for our garbage. We'd throw the garbage in there and burn it, and we would just fill it up until the garbage got to the top, then we'd dig a hole, then I would dig another hole beside that one and use that dirt cover in that hole and we just did that you know over and over as we burned our garbage and and we had an active pit at the time that was open um you know what she tossed in there and burned uh, you know that's what she's probably thinking mm-hmm. which which is very possible i mean you know because there's several pits there that i've dug over over the years for garbage and right after, shortly after she she went missing, I mean, he went out and uh, killed a bunch of the animals, um, I guess, because he didn't want to take care of them, or, you know, maybe that was part of, you know, he blamed the animals or something, I don't know, but he, he killed a bunch of, bunch of animals, and suddenly, you know, all the animals that I was taking care of, we were taking care of, we just weren't there anymore, Yeah, he probably tossed them into the burn pits I would think probably killed them and just tossed them and it's like one day you have all these animals and then the next day you you don't have anything so I don't understand why he's killing the animals because oh because he doesn't want to feed them maybe or if if, if, let's say that she was in one of the pits and burned if he threw a whole bunch of other animals (sighs) at their bones you know what I mean on top of hers and somebody were to try to go look, they would, it would complicate things or something. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> that yeah, he, makes sense. I'm pretty sure he had to have tossed them in the pits and, and that because they just weren't there one day. And it's not that simple and easy to get rid of animals, that many animals we had. How, um, how far away from the house where you lived or were, let's say, a, any kind of uh, assault occurred, were these pits? Oh, yeah, maybe 100 feet away from the house. They were pretty close. And uh, am I correct that there weren't neighbors close that would be... Um... No, the only nearest neighbors were uh, his brother and his wife, Clyde and Eileen, at that time. And I don't remember if Ward was still alive. He, you know, he ran the Orange Grove originally. Hmm. Um, Timelines, but... Was Gilbert physically the type of person that would um, do, was he good physically? Like, could he dig a hole? Could he, um, you know, I'm thinking about body disposal uh, for lack of... Back then, yeah, he was a, you know, he's pretty, yeah, he's six foot, I'd say six foot something, and he was a pretty good sized guy in his day. So, yeah, even into his 50s, yeah, he should be pretty easy to... And she weighed nothing. I mean, she was, you know, she was very thin and small. Hmm. She was, she was pretty fragile. Yeah, he had her bruised up and bandaged up all the time from, you know, just grabbing her and throwing her around. And How is, how are, is, well, she's clearly not leaving the house because how is nobody in this whole foster system noticing this? Like her all beat up. How how is this not getting noticed? 
Right. Nobody's, you know, we had old films and movies and um, pictures and that, and she always had a bandage on her arm or she was, you know, she was always, you know, always abused. Everybody, everybody knew, but I guess nobody important cared or knew, but the family, everybody knew. Because his brother and his wife, you know, they, you know, I wouldn't doubt at all that they were part of it. Because yeah, they didn't. They didn't like her at all. When she, what do you remember specifically about her telling you you were going to leave? Well, we were going to go to uh, California. She said she knew. Uh, she's always wanted to go there. She had pictures of uh, a lot of the uh, movie stars and that at the time. You know, she kept on her makeup table and. You know, she's always wanted to go, and I, I guess she just got up the nerve one day, and you know, so she packed the car and that, and we we're supposed to take off that morning, and it's never happened. Her confiding in you is um, is telling of your relationship because I can't imagine her doing that to a child unless she trusted that, um, you know, you number one wouldn't say anything, and number two you know, just telling you, maybe she felt, maybe you were the only person in her life that she felt close to like that. Yeah, maybe her uh, sister, you know, her daughters and that, but, you know, they didn't live there. You know, I was always pretty much hers and Charlie was his, you know, it's always been that way. He, He refused to have any, you know, love for me at all, ever. You know, it was all just one way toward him. And, you know. This time I, will. I guess at this point, it's time that we go back and look at Kay and Gilbert Hines' early years, how they met, and talk a little bit about the Hine Ranch for foster children. In the next episode, you're going to hear from Kay herself. Stay tuned. Original music this season by Lauren Marie and Tom Lively of the Houston-based duo Million Stars Missing.